Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, guys, it is mid-October and we are entering into one of our favorite times of the year. If you are a listener of the podcast, you know we love all things scrape related. Whether that be creating mock scrapes in a new area or adding scent profiles to pre-existing scrapes. These are tactics we like to utilize this time of year to either get an inventory of bucks in a new area or to try and get that target buck into a specific kill location. Now, when it comes to anything mock scrape related or scent related, there's no one we trust more than Brush Creek Monsters. Myself, Chris, and many of our other team members love utilizing their natural scrape vines for any of our mock scrapes. Another one of our favorite products is their Doe on Fire Estrus, which will be available within the next week. One of my favorite things about Brush Creek is that all of their scent products are natural. They come from their deer herd. There are no additives. So you know when you get a bottle of Doe on Fire, it comes from a specific doe. It is bottled fresh and shipped out quickly. Like I said, they're going to have does coming into estrus within the next week. However, they do have a limited supply. So if you're wanting to check out any of Brush Creek Monsters products or get a bottle of Doe on Fire, go to BrushCreekMonstersLLC.com. That is one word, BrushCreekMonstersLLC.com. Hey, everybody. Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies custom ammunition and gun works. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads and I gotta tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year, I used a 12, Josh used a 20, and uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of the Saddies loads, and my god, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition. Custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. Curved buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't. Oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh, I just shot my Kentucky buck. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Josh Luck. Hey everyone, and we are not joined by Chris tonight. He is either um, in a ditch somewhere or in the woods. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope that he's in the woods. Yeah, uh, or or trying to stay above water. Maybe he flipped his <laughs> kayak again. That's a possibility. It's a very good possibility. But uh, well, I mean, to be to be fair, I did, I, did, I got a text from, him, so he's he's at least alive in some capacity. Yeah, his phone's at least dry. <laughs> so he he's he probably had a, a little bit better night uh, than either of us. Uh, he's he's been out in the woods um, hunting a really nice deer, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, I wish he was on tonight so we could discuss it uh, and, and uh, kind of how grand this animal is. But uh, that that'll be a different story for a different time. Yes. Yeah, we'll leave we'll leave uh, Chris's season update to him because he's he's had a few few lows so far, and uh, I'll kind of I don't want to speak for him as far as how he's feeling about those. So yeah, we're not uh, talking about barometric pressure when we mean low either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so we'll next time he's on we'll have him kind of give an update um hopefully by the time he's on he's got a, a deer down so yeah I, I think he's i think he's like he's he's pretty well on like a couple really good deer it's just a matter of you know kind of closing the deal and and you know putting everything together in the right way he got spoiled i feel like last year when he was killing deer on like the first sit <laughs> like three different two or three different times i'm like jesus man it's like i i remember i i when i killed my first uh deer with a bow like the second time i'd ever sat and uh i shot one and it, it was a doe and i remember thinking like oh this is a lot easier than what i think it is <laughs> and i remember my dad telling me he goes bow hunting is never that easy don't ever make it out to be in your head and then that year when i went to deer camp in ohio i had i had the biggest deer one of the biggest deer i've ever had in front of me uh in my life and i reverted back to like a kid like when you when you're younger you get like those little recurves and mm -hmm. you have to hold your finger over the top of the arrow yeah for whatever reason i did that when i pulled my pulled my string back and the broadhead like hit my finger i'm like oh crap like i i'm not supposed to have this here right now <laughs> and then i all of a sudden <clears throat> there's a doe behind me just staring at me blowing and this buck just like makes eye contacts with me and just like wanders off into into for me to never have seen him again oh. i've done that once before when i was younger <clears throat> not thinking i didn't want my arrow to fall off the rest and i drew back quickly on a deer that kind of surprised me and then like i stuck my finger with a broad head and i was, mm -hmm. and I was quickly reminded to remove my finger <laughs> it's it's one of those it's a, you only have to make the mistake once mm -hmm. it's, it's like uh taking a downward shot a steep angle shot downward it's like you only gotta do it once to know that you don't ever want to do it again <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. To to be fair, I think uh I think Chris could have killed early in Ohio again this year, but he did yeah. have some some other guys uh move into the area that he was hunting. I mean it, it's it's public, but <clears throat> he kinda had some some deer dialed and uh, some guys kind of move in last minute on him. So uh but he did adjust and got a got an opportunity at one of them. So Yeah. And that, that's that's the biggest piece is that, you know, if you're gonna hunt public, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it it just is. Um, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit tonight. Um, I don't know. Eth ethically, lately, I've just been getting irked more and more by people just doing kind of dumb stuff around me. Um, whether it's in the woods or on the water, I'm just like. Like, come on, man. Like, be, 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 like, <laughs> these are people who are like, and it like far older than me. Um, and it, it's, I don't know if it's senility. I don't know if it's just like no one ever taught them or just, they're just kind of like, but, um, but, but like, man, it just like, it makes me want to like punch myself in the forehead sometimes. Like, how is this even going on? But yeah, you know. I feel like, I'm seeing some of that on the internet a lot lately. And it's not like, I don't know if there's just more and more people getting into the to public land hunting, um, just because popularity is obviously up right now. Um, it's, I mean, you see it everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. And uh, even, even some of the mainstream media, mm -hmm. you see talking about it more. Yeah. And then, so like uh, Midwest Whitetail, they have guys that hunt public and that's kind of all they do now i think the bow hunter die crew they yep. have some guys that are mainly public now and it's just the popularity is pretty high <clears throat> but i don't know if there's like just a big influx of new hunters that are also hunting public land or guys that are going from private to public but online i'm just seeing so many people just ask like where do i go like can someone point me to a wma like where would you go here and i'm like I mean, I get it. There, there is a learning curve um, to hunting public land, that's for sure. But man, like, just I, I mean, it's 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 overly frustrating in a lot of ways because in, we we make fun of Tyler Sparks about this all the time, where he like asks a question, like, "Did you like use Google at all?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> any of this, uh, and I and I get wanting to learn directly from a person and like wanting to know directly from a person about something. 
But there comes a reality where <clears throat> you know damn good and well if you've hunted at all. Like people aren't going to give up spots. People aren't going to tell you things. Like I'm not going to like tell some rando on the internet like, "Hey, here's a WMA that you should check out." If someone tells you a WMA to check out on the internet, you probably shouldn't go there because they're probably gar-holing you. Mm -hmm. that, that's 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 more than likely what they're doing. Like pull up a map. You know, every every DNR website in the United this is this is your public service announcement for for the year. Every DNR website across the United States has a map or has a system of every WMA in that state or public land in that state. If you don't if you don't want to look at that and you want to look at national forest land or refuges. Go to the USDA or the United the United States uh, Fish and Wildlife Service. All that information is on there. And are you are you going to be able to know exactly what they are? No, but you know what you can do? Learn how to read a topo map. Look, look like figure figure that out. You don't got to be a cartographer. You don't got to know how to draw maps or anything along those lines. But just like make it make it a, uh, a a reasonable you know decision with that kind of stuff. Like I I. I I just I I have never understood it from any like from any 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 sense like it, it's you know I, I I don't know I don't know yeah we're we're living in a time now where there's just ample amounts of information out there so if you want to learn how to read a topo you can just, just go to YouTube there's a bunch of videos yeah. there's a bunch of fairly knowledgeable hunters that are releasing content on it just there's all kinds of resources. And I don't know, I'm never one to name drop or spot burn um, just because I know there, there very well could be someone that's putting in serious work at a location and I don't want, you know, to ruin that for someone. So I'm always, mm -hmm. I don't like to spot burn for myself. So I never name drop where myself or any of us are going. And then yeah. I'm never, I, I won't even name drop other locations that I've never been to because I don't know who's hunting there. And I don't know if someone's putting in serious time at a different WMA. So, I don't yeah, know. I mean, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where, and, and I think I think if you if you hunt long enough, you're gonna run into it. And you know, I I was fortunate enough to grow up like right on a WMA, and like didn't really realize like what all that was, and and now I kind of do. And there there just becomes a point where. If, if you're going out on on public or or anything along those lines just allow yourself like some grace and that kind of stuff in in working around people and that kind of stuff because inevitably you will run into somebody um i did it on uh public what was that two years two or three years ago when we went when we went and hunted the wma and then uh i i you know i i've ran into hunters <clears throat> bird hunting i've ran into hunters turkey hunting like it's gonna happen just make sure that you're kind of cordial about it and talk to the people if you see them in the parking lot say look this is where i was thinking of going or this is you know settle that out that way you're not putting stands five feet away from each other it just it then nobody gets a deer and everybody's pissed so so that, that's it's, this is actually this isn't an old man gripe session um this is <laughs> this isn't gr what grinds my gears uh josh and i actually want to kind of talk about our season so far and while neither of us have a deer um we have we i feel like i'm i'm in a wonderful position in ohio and kentucky quite honestly yeah i'm um, going into into stuff so we 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 kind of wanted to discuss like what's what what's going on with our seasons what we're seeing and uh you know when when you hear this it, it's it's going to be the uh weekend of the 20th in october and you if if you if you've been in the woods at all right now uh you are starting to see everything that you want to see uh in in the woods so I'll, josh you you go first like you kind kind of you know talk about what you know I know you've went scouting a couple of times. I know you've had a couple of sits, you know, talk about like what you're seeing, what, what's going on in your deer season so far. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. 
how long it's been since we've given like a, a full-on update. It's been a while. I know after opening week in Kentucky, we kind of went over that. Um, so just to kind of recap, um, started off the year early September hunting in Kentucky. Um, hunted opening weekend, and then I only hunted, let's see, hunted those two days. Three, three or four days. I think I hunted four days at most in Kentucky, um, with one day being a morning and evening sit, and then the next day being a morning. So one, two, three, four. I think I've only had four sits in Kentucky. Five, five at the most. Um, mainly in like the first two weeks, um, but I kind of switched gears uh, because I, I, I didn't really have anything kind of patterned down in Kentucky and just with us being so busy in the summer with the expos and then um, just with work and my little one and I had that move I didn't get to scout Ohio a ton so I decided to skip hunting pretty much the end of September in the last two or three weeks um, and mainly uh, scout some new places in Ohio um, I went and hung some cameras, and my, my goal was to basically try and hunt down some bucks with cameras in new locations. So I went out and scouted a couple different WMAs, um, put in some miles, and one, two, I'm trying to remember, hung three or four cams at one place, and then a couple at another place. Um, I let them set out for a handful of days, went back and checked one location that I was... Um, that I was most um, intrigued by. There was a lot of um, just grown up kind of CRP with like fingers of woods and stuff going through it. Um, just terrain that I, I find myself leaning towards more and more. Um, but I didn't have anything on camera. I probably wasn't in the right place there, but there was more pressure than what I thought in that area. So I pulled all those, went to a different location on the same WMA, hung some cameras again. I, I, I started to find some sign. Um, I'm trying to remember when this was. So the it would it would have been the weekend before Ohio's opener. Um, I, I went scouting until I found some decent sign. I found some good licking branches. I started finding fresh rubs, hung some cameras, and I actually got, um, let's see, I checked them uh, maybe a week later. I think I can't remember. Um, it was a week, week and a half later. It was after opening weekend in Ohio, and there were actually some bucks in that area um, that I that were fairly decent. Um, I want to say I got like a two-year-old one that looked like a nice uh, another deer that looked like a, either a nice two-year-old or a young three-year-old that had some potential, and then a, a buck that looked fairly mature. Um, again, I have no history, so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I think I sent pictures of that deer to you. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. Um I sent it to like Dakota Cantrell and he called him uh, Swoops McGee. Um, <laughs> just cuz his his beans kind of swooped around. Yep. So that's that's the name of that buck. Um but might have been like a 30s deer and then um got to that place a little bit more and I hunted it uh, I, I did like a, a scout hunt, so I, I scouted it again and then ended up sitting in that scrape. I didn't see anything, um, but I had to hung cameras in other places. And then I went back like the following weekend and checked the camera. I hunted in a location um, in a morning, and I actually had a good, a, a pretty decent set. I don't know if I told you this, Rick. I did tell Chris. I saw like eight deer that morning. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I was hunting kind of this like creek bottom, um, with like two ridges on either side. It was a fairly open creek bottom mm -hmm. and, uh, the ridges kind of dumped down. One was off a of private, one was from the public. And then I got thicker and then on top of either ridge was like grown up CRP. So in my mind, I was like, and there was kind of ag, um, in the surrounding areas. I was like, okay, I'll hunt here in the morning, maybe catch something going back to bed somewhere in here or transitioning later morning. Uh, between these kind of bedding areas or what I suspected was bedding areas. Um, I'd seen like a, a spike buck um, and then I saw two fawns and a doe uh, later in the morning. It was like 1030 
I had like a flurry of activity. And then I saw a handful of other deer that were like 60 yards down from me crossing mm-hmm. uh, this little creek crossing. I, I couldn't tell what they were, but they were in a group. So I'm assuming they were does and fawns. Um, but it was a pretty good morning. And then I actually checked that camera I had set and got another nice deer um, that showed up the morning prior I hunted. So if I would have hunting hunted the day before, like I would have had a pretty nice deer. I think he's three, but he has like, if he goes to four or five, he has the potential to be like a giant. That looks like, wow. Um, so I've been kind of focusing on that area a little bit just because, and I almost went to, so like I said, there were a couple of different WMAs where I hung mm-hmm, cameras mm-hmm. and, um, the other one actually had a lot more oaks dropping. Uh, what, what we've kind of noticed. Whites are red. So there's a ton of whites there, but they weren't dropping. And I haven't noticed too many whites dropping. Um, hardly any, actually. Uh, definitely quite a few chinkapins dropping, which is which is in the white family. But um, there was a ton of whites at this place. None of them were dropping. Not as many chinkapins as some other places that didn't really seem. I mean, some of them were dropping. There were a ton of reds, mm-hmm. and they were raining acorns. And actually, when I scouted that place, uh, I, I, there was, I was on this little secondary ridge, and I was just listening to these red oaks dropping. And I actually saw a group of does run down across from me, and they started feeding on the red oak acorns. And I feel like Chris is also seeing... No, Usually red red oaks are, you know, a late, late season. Yeah. 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 You know, I've, I've to get out of it. Yeah. Um, but I saw deer munching on them. Chris has been out hunting. He's seen deer hitting the reds. Uh, I don't know if you have seen that. As well. I have. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I did when we did the Kentucky hunt together on the yeah. WMA. That's right. Um, so it was very interesting. So definitely been been trying to find some fresh dropping red oaks. And chinga pins is kind of what I've been focused on if I'm out scouting looking for oaks. Um, but so I still have cameras out at that place, but and I almost went and checked them uh, before the last time I hunted at that other WMA. And I was like, you know what? There are some deer here that I would shoot. I'm just going to hunt them down. I'm not going to leave deer to go find deer. I kind of had to have a talk with myself. I'm like, even though I would like to really check out that other location as well i'm like just just stay here mm-hmm. <laughs> um but then oh when was it let's see it's october 18th uh, earlier in october only a week or two ago no maybe last week i got a picture of a deer on private so i still have uh cameras on private um, I have a couple of cell cams at my father's place. And th- this is the piece that I hunted. Let's see, they bought it in like 2019. And in 2019, so 2019, 20, 21. Yeah, I killed bucks on it. Yeah. Off of it. Yep. I didn't kill one last year. There was a deer last year that I wanted to target. I named him Richard. I named him Richard because he's actually a dick. <laughs> <laughs> He was a deer I wanted to shoot, and uh, my son was born on November 2nd. That deer showed up in daylight in front of the stand I would have hunted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I named him Richard. But he popped back up. And last year I was debating on whether it was three or four. So this year I know he's at least four, mm-hmm. if not five. He definitely looks mature. So I was like, oh, man, I, I feel like... I named I, I call him Richard, but he's also like Theo's deer. Theo's my son, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, that's Theo's buck. I like, I feel like I have to go after him. So I haven't went back to the public. Um, I hunted one time on the private. It's it's a smaller piece. Well, it's it's twenty three acres total, but I really mainly focus on like a small like portion of it because that's where a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. of the bucks, even more mature bucks, will roam through. Um, but you can't pressure it too much or go run them out, which is what I did last year with Richard. I got too aggressive too early, bumped him early, and then mm-hmm. he didn't show up in daylight for a while. Uh, I think the first time he showed up in daylight after I bumped him out of that area was like November 1st. Um, 
but yeah, so I hunted there once and I'm like, if I'm going to hunt them, I'm not going to hunt the public where I have those other deer just mm-hmm. to, you know, reduce temptation. Um, so I've just been kind of sitting idly back. Um, I haven't hunted, I haven't been back in Kentucky, but I thought about going there this weekend. So my wife actually works the 21st. I don't, we can't find a babysitter. So probably the 22nd was my plan. But then this evening, I got a picture of another buck that I've kind of been after over there for the past couple of years. I call him the blind eye buck. Um, he's at least six years old this year, if not seven. Jeez, oh, Pete's. Um, he, I was telling you earlier, Rick, he daylighted, um, he didn't daylight, sorry. He showed up back up on camera in, on, on the 14th of what I say, 21. Yeah. I have it written down. Let me go check. (laughs) Yes. So on 10, 14, he showed back up on camera, um, in 2021 and 22, he showed back up on camera in this area on 1026. And now this year, he showed up on camera in daylight on a scrape I have over there on the 18th. Now, from year's history, he usually only daylights like one time late October. So I don't know if this would have been my only evening to actually get a shot on him. I don't think so, because it's a little bit earlier than last year. And with him being a little bit older, I know when they get around that seven-year age range, some of them will get a little lackadaisical. So I'm hoping he pops up in daylight again. Um, But conditions look right for this weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. For anyone that's that's a moon nerd, I believe it is a red moon uh, for the evening. Um, Starting, I think tonight is the first night, and then through the weekend. Then obviously, like Sunday, I think uh, major. the major time is like six something, like like six fifty or something like that. Prime time, yes, it's prime time. And then we have a, a cool front coming in. Uh, temps aren't like plummeting, but I think on Sunday it's just be like mid fifties as a high. And then winds are switching from south; they'll eventually go west and then northwest. And uh, yep. I'm I'm a fan of the first north mm-hmm. after a south, um, just because usually that means cooler temps. And then you have that wind switch, and I feel like those wind switches will get bucks on their feet. So I kind of feel like I have to hunt the private just to put myself potentially in the game at that deer. Um, we we shall see. Yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for you, man. I think that you're right, though. It's Like you said, you're starting to see a little bit more sign, and you know, deer are doing more deer things right now. They're they're oh, yeah. and they're they're getting they're getting dumb again, which I love. <laughs> it's like make deer dumb again. We should that that should be a hat. Make deer dumb again. Um, like I, I'm, I think with this upcoming cold front because it, it's 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 not like a drastic one like we had a few weeks ago where it's just like the bottom falls out, but it goes. It's I think it was sixty six today. The real feel of on Saturday, at least where I'm hunting, is going to be, I want to say, 38 degrees. So it's it's going to be primed for, for like deer to get up. And again, I, I, like you, am a fan of hunting that first wind after a south. So it's going to be blowing um, out of the south for, I think, three straight days. And then on Saturday, it goes to a west wind and then a northwest wind like that same day and that's that's ideal for the spot that that i'm hunting in kentucky so i'm 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 super excited about hunting this weekend in kentucky for just for the sole purpose of i have not ever ever got to hunt early muzzleloader in kentucky and the one time i get to hunt it it is October 20, 21st, mm-hmm. um, which is I killed my buck last year this same weekend because in Ohio, every year on this piece of private ground that we go up and hunt near um, near this other place, <clears throat> these bucks would 
always show up on the 22nd of October every single year. Just like how you're kind of uh, looking at that that one deer, the the blind eye buck. We have we had two deer who showed up religiously every year on the 22nd and 23rd every single year. Now I didn't see either one of them because I had an out of state tag and I was going to punch it because I hadn't punched a, an archery tag on a buck and God knows how long. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take my shot at this. And I, and I took a, a deer that is now my rattling antlers. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully he lures in some other deer, but this is a great weekend for it. I mean, it's, it's normally that first cold snap weekend going into like the last week of October and right before deer start acting real, real freaking stupid. Hey everybody, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gun works. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and I got to tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year. I used the 12. Josh used a 20. And uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of the Saddies loads. And my God, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. That kind of leads me into to, you know, my my situation currently. I've hunted I've hunted two more times in Kentucky. I have not yet hunted Ohio. I am not hunting Ohio until the rut. Like I'm just <clears throat> I'm not even going to bother with it. I'm just going to I'm going to work on my Kentucky tag with the days that I have and then I'm going to go to Ohio. But in Kentucky, uh I had I have a buck on on a piece of private ground uh that I hunt pretty regularly, but it's 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 he was daylighting <clears throat> for a while. And it was on a west wind uh, in this hollow. And there was actually a scrape that this deer had made. God knows when. Uh, it, it's been there all year. So I would go. I'd sit near this scrape. And I think I've sat it three different times. And I've not seen a deer at all. I've had perfect wind and everything along those lines. The only thing I can guess is that, uh, you know, he's betting in a he's betting differently than what he was at one point but also much to my chagrin um the property owner has a cousin who i'm pretty sure uh put a hanging hunt in i mean either either that or i'm blinder than a bat um put a hanging hunt in like within the last couple times i've sat over there hmm. and we're, we're talking 40 yards from where i'm sitting so i think um he he figured out that that deer was there and he put that in so i'm, I'm pulling the Dieter cocking method of doing stuff is people only usually go into the woods about 100 yards or drag things about 100 yards from the side of the road <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm getting super aggressive i had a camera that i put way back in the back of this hollow and I had this buck on camera early season. I have yet to go back and check this camera because I, I was worried that I was going to bugger up the bedding or things like this. I only had this buck in daylight in the morning. That is the only time I've had this like buck. He doesn't, he's not there in the nighttime or anything like that. And it's coming out of a CRP field down into a little gully that he can use to kind of go back to what I am believing is a ridge where he where he beds on now there is a couple beds in this area but i went back and looked at trail cam pictures and i noticed i have a picture of this buck licking a branch right in front of my uh my trail cam the one all the way in the back which i didn't realize i had on camera so he created a licking branch and same thing that we've talked about previously this this was high up um this it was it was broken off and if, I mean, I must've walked by the thing like 
10 times at different points during the year. And I wouldn't have paid any attention to it. And then I went back and looked at my kid, like it's, he's been breaking that branch off more and more every time he walks through there. <clears throat> so my, my, my deer hunts have almost turned into turkey hunts because uh, on all, on every sit there, um, I'm hearing birds. Like, I think the last time I texted you guys, like I was, I had birds gobbling. Yeah. And, and like, it, it's, it's October. And like, there, I mean, gobbling, gobbling, like not, not like a little Jake gobble or a fake one, like full blown gobbling. And I, I look at 50 yards in front of me out in this cow pasture uh, through the woods. And here's three toms. I mean, rope draggers too, just huge birds uh, in full strut, just full strut back and forth for probably 10 minutes. And like, had they come into the woods, uh, it, the, the deer hunt was going to turn into a turkey hunt very quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I would have been, uh, my first turkey with a bow, but also, uh, my only turkey out of a tree stand. So, you know, I, I've, I've got, I know where I'm going in the spring. Like I can say that much. I know, I know I'm going to go turkey hunt in the spring, but Kentucky this weekend, it's, it's muzzleloader weekend. If you're listening to this now on your way to your stand, you know, darn good and well, if you're in the bluegrass state, uh, this is a good weekend to be out. You get to use a gun like later than what we normally do. Normally this, this is like last weekend, but with the way everything fell, kids gun was last weekend. So muzzleloaders is the weekend after that. So we're getting right into the prime area of being able to use a gun and back off some of these areas a little bit more, which I'm really excited about. So I can back way up off, off the area and hopefully not get winded or anything like that. But at the same time, I can be super aggressive and, and get back to where I need to go. So hopefully, you know, as, as we're discussing this right now and you're listening to this, I'll have a dead deer on the ground uh, by the next podcast. Yeah, I think uh, going back there and getting a little aggressive, especially right now, I think you'll be just fine. Uh, it's getting, like you said, it's getting to that time of year where you can be um, probably be a little bit more aggressive and not have to worry about bumping him out of his bedding too much. If he's got a licking branch down there, he's probably he's been coming to it a little bit more often, or at least checking some of the does around there, see yeah. if the does are hitting it. So I think it's worth worth uh, an aggressive move well and i i've i've toyed with this idea quite a bit and i've, I've ran this by you guys and i've ran this by other people too and it's it, it just makes sense at this point where i'm not i'm i'm not gonna blow this deer out with with the wind i'm not gonna unless, unless he is doing something completely different than what has been going on every other time he's shown up like i feel like this is this is a appropriate kind of aggressive push to try to get on this buck and if if i do blow him out i learn something I, I i do have to kind of look at it from that standpoint and it doesn't mean that he's gone forever it just means that i got to figure out the pattern a little bit differently for for later because the other the other thing is is gun season's just right around the corner too i mean yeah. that that is i try i i i want to be more aggressive right now because i know once gun season hits the reality is, at least in Kentucky, and like it is in Ohio and most other places, if if you got farms surrounding you and you've got a halfway decent buck, like the risk of that deer getting shot goes up fifty fold. Like it, it's not it's not even uh, a chance thing. And then you run into guys who are poachers and all that type of garbage too, where you know all they want is a rack, and yeah, that that's. That does happen down here around where I'm at. So I do have to be mindful of that as well. So go ahead. No, I was going to say, now let's hear about your Ohio spot. Cause I'm, I'm excited to see how you do there. And I'm, I'm, I'm real excited about this. So oh, we've talked about this place before we've got private that we hunt that that's near, uh, a track of of public and for years i've kind of done the same thing and that is i have a stand i go to it i sit in in the morning i sit in the evening 
and it is it is very much just your your traditional like deer camp type thing where you know you're going to your stand so after um after last year and and really kind of looking at this stuff i started thinking i was like you know i i don't ever see deer in the morning where i'm at and i'm pretty sure it's because um they're they're either winding me or i'm bumping them and like i, I gotta walk up a hill to get to this place and i know those deer are up on that bench and they're just staring down like knowing knowing the movement so i decided that i was going to explore some other areas on this property and on this property and <clears throat> on the public nearby so we set cameras on on the private and i was astounded by the deer that we got i mean this place has big deer on it always has it's a matter of getting them in front of you but we put a camera on this bench uh about there's like a it's it's weird there's like this hill was has like three benches because it's been logged like three different times so these deer are walking these old logging roads on the sides of these hills and then going up the top of ridge and going into what's this old, what this old clear cut is <clears throat> we've got three bucks on camera that are just absolute like toads uh that i'm i'm really really pumped about and it, like even if i don't get a shot at them i'm really excited that my my, my dad or my uncle will get a shot at it and i think mm -hmm. <clears throat> with with kind of what we've seen recently and and how they're going to move they they're old they're retired they get to hunt up there for 12 days i don't <laughs> i get i <laughs> i get i get four days and i gotta hunt it like my hair is on fire so i I decided I'm going to do something differently. So I went on to the public and I lucked out because uh, I, I started looking at maps and I, I was, I was showing stuff to my dad and he goes, well, why don't you go back and look at this place? He goes, we used to hunt back in here all the time before this road got washed out. And like now it's, it's, it's unclear if it's a township road or what the deal is and access is, is kind of a nightmare. So, I'm looking at it. And I was like, you know, let's let's go back and let's let's look at this. So, in August, when we went up there and set his set my dad's camera uh, in in a on the on the private land, I was like, let's let's walk back and see what we're what we can see on the public. So, we drove we drove back, um, parked the truck, probably not in the safest place uh, possible with uh, some of the people who live around the trailhead. Um, <laughs> actually was really a it was a dumb idea and we're lucky our, our truck didn't get broken into to be real honest but but be that as it may we we access this area we walk back and this place is untouched and, and looks like it hasn't been touched in years and just immediately walking down this this trail here's a scrape we'll walk a little bit further here's another scrape we bump, you know, a whole flock of birds uh, walking back there. So we keep walking and we split off the off the main trail. And immediately dad goes, uh, he's, he's like, we 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 had somebody hunt back here at one point. And he said he always saw good deer. Um, and he's like, let's go back here and look. And sure enough, we go back to this you know, point coming down off of a it's like a point where there's some bedding and it comes down into a bottom. And there's trails all over the place and just it look it looks great. So we put a camera there. We go over to another area where which it looks like an old clear cut was there because it's really open. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of scrub brush. So <clears throat> they did a select cut or something like that. So it's it looks like great bedding cover. And we put a camera up there. So on our way out. Uh, there's, there's a, this thicket with some pines in it. My dad had said, you know, that, that place is always tore up, was always tore up with sign when, when we, uh, used to hunt here. I was like, oh, okay. So it's getting close to, to deer camp time. And, uh, I'm, I'm out of town the weekend right before Halloween. So I don't have time to get up back up there. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat a day of, instead of watching football, I'm going to go with my dad and we're going to go, you know, set his stand up, get things ready, get my uncle's stand set up, and I'm going to go pull camera cards. So uh, I drive up, 
luckily, we got permission from somebody to let us access the public uh, through their through their property. Very very kind person. I, I couldn't couldn't ask for a nicer person. Signed signed uh, our uh, permission slips and everything. So I park, walk back, and immediately there's a bit there's a scrape opened up on the ground. Like oh man, this is great. Go back, find my cameras. There's rubs on two different trees, ten feet from the cameras. Mm. So and like it, it it's just like that warm feeling you get. So one, I moved my cameras to get a better view of the area because I was like, I'm willing to bet I've got stuff on camera, but I don't have that on camera. So I, I positioned it differently, and uh, I I was just I was so ecstatic with, with with what i had found so i looked around took a video of the area figured out where where kill trees could potentially be at on different winds and and figured out what i wanted to do here now unfortunately one of my cameras decided that it didn't want to create the file in a format for me to be able to look at it at a computer so i have to go back and pull that camera and then put the card back in the camera so i can look at the pictures on it Different story for a different time. But uh, when I looked at the other camera, <laughs> the area that I thought was untouched, it, it, there is there is people in there. Um, found a man in a black wife beater walking in front of my camera with a small <laughs> shovel. I'm pretty sure he was looking for ginseng. Cool. Whatever. Uh, it was not what I was expecting to see. Uh, there's a There was a nice little six, but the thing that was more intriguing to me is that I have a ton of does, which for a rut hunt is what I want to see in that area. Just just from the standpoint of if if there are does in that area, that means they're eating in that area. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that means that they're going somewhere where they're grabbing food and they're coming back. So I'm I'm like super pumped. I, I'm I'm just jacked to the gills about all this stuff. I uh I on my way out though. I remember what my dad said about like that area with the pines in it. So I walk over there and I'm just like, I'm like, see some deer trails and I'm kind of like, there ain't ain't anything over here. So unfortunately I I, I get stuck. Like like, uh, there's a tree down, so I can't get through this way. So I'm like, I have to walk through the CRP. And then as I, as I get into the CRP and I start walking, a trail opens up and here on the only tree in the CRP is this rub like mid chest high you know probably three hands tall uh on this tree and i'm just like oh my god this like i'm doing the math in my head of like where i have my cameras at where this scrape is at because i had put a picture um on the fuel by the outdoors page of a of a big print and the guy's like oh it's just a some guy says like that's just a big doe print i'm like no i'm pretty sure it's a big buck print Hmm. well this is a big buck print um, <laughs> uh, like, and as the crow flies, this, this spot is maybe 350, 400 yards away. So it's very plausible that this deer is going up to where I have my, like m- my kill trees kind of picked out at and potentially can walk, walk up that way. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was just so like like happy just like ridiculously happy and then then i meet up with my dad and my uncle to go get the private uh squared away scrapes like big scrapes opened up and oaks dropping but not just red oaks like we've talked about white oaks were dropping oh and yeah and it, it was it's one of those things where right in front of my stand there's like a lone white oak and like there, there's chest, there's uh, there's uh, two chestnuts, and then like one lone white oak tree, and like there were just white oak acorns everywhere. So if if you're listening to this, if you have white oaks in Ohio that you know were holding acorns, this is probably the weekend or the week to really get on them, because deer are opening scrapes up, but also those white oaks that normally drop maybe a week earlier than like what or should have dropped like a week or two ago 
might just now be dropping because of, you know, a number of different conditions. Yeah, that would be definitely a good tactic. Like, if I found a white dropping right now, I'd probably be all over it. Uh, I just haven't found any. And if I'm not finding a white, I'm looking for some scrapes right now. Yep, I can I can tell you this much. Scouting, I found a white oak. Or I shouldn't say. My dad found a white oak. And on that white oak, like you could see the deer the deer had cleared the bottom like of every acorn and it was still raining. <clears throat> but probably for I don't know. Like if you back 30 yards off the tree and you just walk the circumference of it. So there's, you know, seven scrapes around it, just like around that tree. Because, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, and, that, and that, that's what I mean by like finding like a lone white oak. Like uh, if, if you're listening to us, obviously, you know what the Outdoor Recreation Network is. Uh, one of the other podcasts on here is a Southern Outdoorsman. Southern Outdoorsman did a, a podcast with a guy named Rick Cope. I really suggest you go listen to it. It's about uh, hardcore feed tree tactics. Like this is exactly the situation that this guy talks about in finding like the feed tree. And if you have to getting in the feed tree to kill a deer, because your bucks, your does and everything is going to be coming and congregating around that. The reds, like you said, <clears throat> And I, I think anybody who's been in the woods this year has said the same thing. It's just like they're hammering reds, but it's all real early and it's it's almost like backwards. But we've had a garbage mast year for whites, I feel like. Just like trees yeah. that I know produce traditionally are not producing this year. Yeah. And mass crop in general in Ohio hasn't been great, I think, the past couple of years. So I don't know if we're just having like a bumper crop year for reds and then the deer on them. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting from a standpoint of, you know, I tend to wonder if it's not, if it doesn't have to do with like drought conditions too, because certainly trees can go long times without water, but if you go prolonged years with lower amounts of water, I think like at least in, in our region, we're three inches low for the year. So like that's, that's going to have an effect on things. Just like when you have a drought year, EHD takes a toll on deer because they're congregating around smaller areas. What did we have last year? Massive deer kill off because of EHD because it was a drought year. This is the second year, second or third year, really, where we haven't had enough water coming down and, and, and keeping stuff, you know, in a healthy, healthy way. I think last real good I think the last good real rainy October we had might have been 2021, maybe. I would, I'd agree with that. It was probably 21. When did you shoot Charlie? 21. Yeah, so it, it had to have been 21 <clears throat> because I remember I shot a doe. And that was late October, too. Yeah, that was, exa exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's the thing is that most of these rains aren't coming until late, late. Um really almost into November uh, in, in a lot of ways. So if, if you're, if you're getting out, this is, this is an important time to be really making adjustments and, and figuring things out for, for the remainder of your season. And I say, <laughs> I sound like an ass, I feel like, but like <laughs> the remainder of your season, like it's, it's October 18th. Like there is still, a extremely large amount of time, like, you know, depending upon where you're at in the continental United States, like tons and tons of time. Oh yeah. You got an ample amount of time. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, I, I feel so far behind. I'm like, I feel like I should have a buck down by now. And I was like, wait, it's like the second week of October. <laughs> so <clears throat> I do this to myself every year. And, and this is a good, this is a good reality check for yourself is if you start feeling like you haven't like, oh, my gosh, I haven't had that many sits or, oh, my gosh, I, I haven't killed a deer yet. Go pull up when you telecheck your deer. And I do this to myself. I have to every year. 
and I look at it like every deer I've ever killed in Kentucky comes in November. I've never killed a deer in October ever. And, and, and it's, it's always either right before gun or during gun. It's always that way. Hell, I think two or three years in a row, it was Thanksgiving morning is, is when I killed my, is when I killed my deer. Um, it's, yeah. it's just kind of the way it falls. And I think there's a lot of times where we all kind of push forward. Cause we're like, I mean, if you hunt Kentucky or Tennessee or anything like that, you start in September. It, it starts so early compared to like, you know, if, if you grew up gun hunting in Ohio, like I did, you didn't, you didn't really start hunting deer. You did not start hunting deer until after Thanksgiving. Like that was when you hunt a deer. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that every, every so often. I mean, last Last season was the first time I ever killed a deer in September, September 15th. And then prior to that, it was late October for like yeah. three years in a row. So um, still plenty of time. Heck, where, where we live, we're close enough, but we can go back and forth between Ohio and Kentucky. Heck, could go in Ohio this weekend and then got plenty of time for Kentucky. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm exci- um, I'm excited though. Like I'm I'm truly excited about this. About you know, I I, I love hunting the rut. I do, and and uh, you know, there's it's it's great to kill a buck in October. It is. It's wonderful. It's it's great. It, like the pressure's off. You don't have to worry about it. And if you're only hunting, you know, a couple states or even one state, like you're you're like you're kind of done. But there comes a point, like where. I really love being in the woods in November and like you just have, it's, it's like gambling though. It's, it's that weird. It's like, it's like you could have the biggest buck run in front of you in your <laughs> life, or you could have nothing but dinks and spikes. And then you're, you're just kind of like, damn it. I waste, like I put all my eggs in this basket and it's, <clears throat> but there's something great about it. Like it, it's just such a wonderful time to be in the woods. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. I I mean, I grew up basically just hunting, like hunting the rut and that. That was like my time. I'd get out with my dad, and we'd always hunt. And like you said, it's like it's like the lottery. Like who's gonna hit the lottery? But I th- I think what also drives people is you just get to see like a lot of different social aspects of like your deer herd that are yeah. in the area. Um, you get to see all these all these different interactions like bucks chasing you get to hear like snort wheezes and grunting and fighting and you just get to see a lot that you usually don't see at other times of the year so i feel like that's what kind of drives people to that and and the unknown it's like it's like those uh like the machines you see at like walmart at the front doors or (laughs) another arcade where it's like a mystery box and you can you know put your money in and see what you get in the mystery box. It's exactly what it's like. It's like, you, you, you just don't know you, you there, there's, there's no way of knowing like, and, and I think, I think back to like <clears throat> three of my coolest experiences with bucks in the woods. Remember five years ago, I, I had the biggest buck of my life in front of me uh, at 50 yards. And he wouldn't close the distance, but I had uh, two 10 points ramming each other and fighting over a like a, a tiny bit of corn that was left in this area where i was at and i remember watching them crash through brush and this that big buck just sat there and watched them and i mean these two other deer are, you know 120 130 class deer and they're just beating the hell out of each other and this guy's just standing out in the field staring at him and it was the coolest thing to see ever but I will, I will say this, you bring up like snort wheeze and that kind of stuff. I remember this has probably been, golly, it's probably been eight or nine years ago at this point. Yeah. Cause that's, that would have been when I started, I think I started bow hunting. I, it was a Sunday morning. I was at deer camp. I get in my stand and you could hear deer chasing and I just hear this god awful noise. 
and I'd never heard it before. And I'm like, what the hell was that? I was like, I didn't know if it was, I thought like I heard a freaking bear like screaming. I'm like, what was it? And I like later I get down on my stand and my dad's like, do you hear that? I was like, yeah, what was it? He's, he's there's two, that was two bucks chasing a doe roaring. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I'd never heard it before, but it was like, I'll never forget the noise now. And it, it, it's such a distinct noise that you, you will never hear outside of that type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. A buck roar is pretty, pretty cool to hear. You're like, what was that? <laughs> Especially like in, in the dark, like, like th- this, this was pitch blackout. And I'm just like, am I, like your mind starts playing all these dumb tricks. Like, am I going to, it's like something going to come over here and kill me that I don't know about. that's in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. So basically what we're telling you all get out in the woods this weekend. If you're not already headed to the woods while you're listening to this, and you're not headed to get in your stand, go make sure like figure out how the hell to do it. You need to be in the woods from now until the end of November. Like this is the time of year to be in the woods and, and doing anything that you can possibly do to, you know, get on those big bucks. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think um, this weekend should be good, at least in our area. Um, the weather's going to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a moon person, the moon's going to be good. Um, so it is a really good time to get out this time of year over the past, I guess, couple of years I've, I've started paying more and more attention to them but i'm becoming more and more of a of a scrape scrape mm-hmm. guy especially for this time of year um and so on that on that private piece i do run cell cam on it all year long mm-hmm. and, uh one just because this time of year i do have some of the maturity or hitting it uh, but it's it's a really good learning tool and i feel like i've learned a ton just by having that camera on there and I go back every year and freshen it up. And this year I added one, two, three, four other branches to it. I made it even bigger than what it was. And I, I do think that has helped um, just because the visual profile of it is so much bigger. And there's more uh, more licking branches. Uh, I, I feel like I'm having more deer in different age classes hitting it more often. Um, but I'm from what I'm seeing on that camera on the private, there's... I'm having a lot more deer uh, hit that scrape. And it seems like when you get one or two headed, you'll have like a flurry of activity. I think because of the fresher scent, mm-hmm. um, you'll have like, a, from what I've, I've seen in, in, in this situation, right? I've seen just uh, like the other day, I had six or seven different deer hit this scrape. That was bucks and does in different age classes. But it seemed like once the first two hit it, then you there was like a flurry of activity. So this time of year, I feel like if you have an active scrape and deer hitting it, you're going to get more deer coming to it just because their curiosity is getting peaked this time of year. But I will say not all scrapes are created equal. Correct. So if you're out scouting and looking for them, you want to look for a specific, like a specific location. So that, that scrape is in kind of a a transition area it's not far from thick bedding cover it's like the first open area and thick bedding cover and it's not like a big open area it's like you go from thick bedding there's basically a utv trail it's it's a small opening and there's some thick cover on the other side it's it's like the slight transition out of it um, and it's it's at the intersection of a couple different trails Um, but those scrapes that are close to bedding cover um, I think are, are what you, what you should probably focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that would be my recommendation if you're going out this weekend. Couldn't agree more, man. I think, I think that's, that that's the best idea going right now, because if you're finding scrapes next to bedding cover, those deer are going to have, they get up and they move during the day. Don't ever let anybody tell you that deer are only nocturnal because those deer <laughs> are going to get up. They're going to move. They're just like anything else in the world. Like, you know, watch, watch your dog around the house one day. Like they sleep most of the day, but then they get uncomfortable and they get up and they move around for a little bit. And then they move back to their bed. Like 
<laughs> deer are going to do the exact same thing. They're just like they they're you know, they're a different breed, obviously. Yeah, they get up they get up during the daylight. Uh were were you a, did I message our, our group earlier where where I said I was going to uh, take those studies that show deer only scrape at night, and I was going to wipe my ass. With those studies. Yeah. <laughs> if if you're reading the research, the research says that most scrape activity happens at night, which is probably true if you're looking at all scrapes. But going back to what I said earlier, don't look for any scrape. Look for a very specific scrape in a specific location. Correct. Then you'll get more daylight photos. Like that scrape I have on the private, the majority of the activity is during the daylight. So, absolutely. I have some extra toilet paper to use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. So, well, uh, we're going to wrap this up, guys. Uh, if you have the ability, get somebody in the outdoors. Uh, this is a perfect time of year to do it. Please get them out. Please teach them the correct way to do things and uh, be ethical and practice, you know, oh, practice shooting your damn bow if you haven't practiced shooting your bow. Yeah. Important. And and your gun if you're going out in Kentucky. Sight your rifles. Sight your rifles. Sight your slug guns. Sight your muzzleloaders. And sight your damn bow in. But, Wear your orange in Kentucky. Oh, yes. Orange. You get, I always... I, Glad you mentioned that. This is a public service announcement. Second public service announcement. Uh, this one's at the end, though. If you are in Kentucky, you have to wear unbroken orange on your person. It doesn't mean you can wear, like, orange camo. It means you have to wear an orange vest or solid orange that goes around your body, and you have to wear an orange hat. Mm -hmm. These are things that you can't just put on when you get to stand. As soon as you leave your vehicle and you walk to your stand, you have to be wearing these things. Don't get a ticket because it is absolutely game wardens will tell you it is the easiest ticket for them to write and they will write it. Yes. Just we should post a picture of you during gun season. You're the poster child. You look like a safety cone. <laughs> the great pump, the giant pumpkin. <laughs> I'll post a picture of it for this weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Gates and Josh Luck, and we will talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. Bye. See ya.